Well, hello, lab rats, and welcome to Crime Keeper. It's Igor, and as promised, I have a special guest for the first ever special edition of Crime Keeper. We have, I guess, the only person that could be a first guest for Crime Keeper, and that is Queen V, Murder Lab Media's own Queen V, my boss, my mentor, my everything. That's right. <laughs> That's it. Okay. We're <laughs> off to a rousing start. As I was explaining to V before this, I'm dispensing with the normal format, or in my case, I guess the abnormal format. And I'm going to be starting with a tiny news flash, but no crime keeper be beakers up, no OMG, anything like that. We're going to get right into this case. And I'm basing it on the four episodes of the Oxygen series, Death at the Mansion. And I'll get into that here soon and going over a few other things, but uh, just wanted to kind of give you an idea of where we're headed. No dad jokes. It's, it's a very somber subject and very intriguing and sad. So I wanted to make sure that we set that mood, but welcome V. I appreciate you being here. I'm excited to be here. All right. So you ready to get into it? And I think um, so. All right. Well, let's find out. Little blurb I do have about a news update I just heard yesterday on one of my many podcasts, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. And they have an update on the DNA breakthrough in the Atlanta child murders. The mayor of Atlanta announced the case was reopened in 2019, right before, obviously, the pandemical. And 40% of the items were reviewed to see if they could get updated testing on those items. So they worked all this time quietly during the pandemic, and the, even the fiber evidence has been reanalyzed. Now, those of you familiar with the case know that the fiber is what really tied Wayne Williams to the crimes. And again, he got, was convicted with two adult crimes, none of the children crimes, but the shag carpeting, that wonderful 70 shag carpeting, it was tied to his vehicle and was on the bodies. That is very, very wonderful. And I'm very excited to hear how that comes out. Without further ado, we'll go ahead and get into the Rebecca Zahau. So like I said, it's based on the Death at a Mansion Oxygen Channel, four-part series. And again, Oxygen was the sponsor for our Crime Con. So that's exciting as well. Little tie-in. We're not getting paid, unfortunately, for that. This starts with Lonnie Combs. She was a criminal prosecutor in L.A. County for 18 years. She, along with Billy Jensen, who many of you know, he's an investigative journalist, former goth kid, self-described, and all-around great guy. And the third person to round this out is Paul Holes. He's a forensic scientist that helped crack the Golden State Killer case, Billy's podcast partner in the Murder Squad, and I Feel a True Hottie. There was a thing early on in the Murder Squad where it was called Hot for Holes. It was this whole movement. It was like, yeah, so you should look, look up his, um, do you have your phone or on the, well, you have your computer, obviously. Yeah. Totally look him up. His name's Paul Holes, <laughs> okay. Murder Squad, or you can, but he'll probably pop up real cute, but he's very professional, obviously excellent at his job, which is why they rounded him out there in the trio. So starting with episode one, and that episode is called Rebecca Zahau. We are talking July of 2011, California, place called Coronado Island. It's actually a peninsula, but very ritzy, very glamorous, low crime. 
mostly bicycle theft. So obviously setting the scene, it's not, you know what I mean? It's not crime ridden, it's sprawling mansions is how you would describe it. And I'll go into, I'll kind of set the scene with the players, the main characters here for you. Jonah Shacknai, and if, if you're interested in how you spell that, it's S-H-A-C-K-N for Nancy, A-I. Jonah Shacknai is Rebecca Zahau's boyfriend. They've been living together for a couple of years. At what is known, and you can also look this up, is very interesting. There's a whole history, of course, about this place, Spreckles Mansion. And they're living there for the summer. Jonah is a pharmaceutical magnate named, he started with a company called Medicis. And then he started that company. So he's like not only a millionaire, a billionaire. When he sold the company, billions. So his son is six-year-old Max Shacknai. Rebecca was very close to him. And he was in a coma at the time of her death. Next person is, we've got another Shacknai, Dina. Now, Dina is Jonah's ex-wife, Max's mom. And little aside, Jonah's second ex-wife. And she actually lived around the corner from the mansion and did not have a great close relationship with the with Rebecca. You can imagine the new girlfriend and we'll talk, we'll get into a little bit about their age difference. So that also kind of would rub the, you know, the older one the wrong way. I know I wouldn't be happy about it. Nina Romano is Dina's fraternal twin sister. Nina and Dina? That's, yeah, I'm saying. And if you look them up, I don't, I don't see a, a striking resemblance. Maybe it's their hair color or something, but anyway, but they are fraternal twins. Jonah's brother, his name's Adam Shacknai. Now, Jonah's brother is very interesting, um, as we'll get into here. He's a tugboat captain in Memphis. That's right. Of course, naturally. So his brother is this billionaire. He went to tugboats. Hey, to each their own. I got really interested in wondering how much do they make? Because I'm just guess that I'm that way. Yeah. Hundred, they can make over a hundred thousand dollars. Well, I think I know being, where I'm, my career is headed. You know, I'm saying, <laughs> can we pilot a lab? I don't get seasick. So, so he flew in after Max's accident to stay in the guest house at Spreckles Mansion, and he was the last person to see Rebecca alive. He actually also found her body the next day and called the police. Okay. The next person has a very small role here, but her name is Zena, like the warrior princess, I think. Zahau. She was a 13-year-old sister of Rebecca, and she was staying with them for, for a little while during the summer. And she has a home in Missouri with um, several other members of the Zahau family. Zena was there kicking it for the summer. The next person that's the main character here is Mary Zahau. Now she's an, a sister. Rebecca had several siblings, but we really only focus on Zena and Mary because there's such, Zena was there when this happened. And Mary has been just a, a force to be reckoned with trying to get closure for her sister. Oh, okay. So Mary um, Zahau is, they were close and she's trying to, she's been working since then to get the, get the case classified as murder. Okay. So now any questions on who those peeps are? So, okay. Just a quick review. We've got Jonah, which was the boyfriend, the mm -hmm. millionaire boyfriend, the, his son, Max, who's six. Mm -hmm. And Max's mom is Deanna. It's Dina. D-I-N-A. Dina. Uh -huh. I spelled it funny. Is Dina. Mm -hmm. And which is Max's second wife. Uh, Nina is Dina's sister or yep. Nina. Okay. Nina is Dina's sister. Nina that and makes Dina. Sense. They're twins. Right, twins. right, right. Yep. 
Then we have Joanna's brother, Adam. Right. Jonah. Jonah's Jonah. brother, Adam. Yeah, Jonah Shacknight, the billionaire. And if you look at a picture Jonah, of him, yes. he looks like a billionaire. He's got that look that he's gotten too much plastic surgery. Uh, <laughs> anyway. All right. So Adam is Jonah's brother. Yep. Who was Tugboat. the last person to see mm-hmm. Rebecca yep. and found her body. And then we have Zena and Mary, who are sisters of Rebecca. Right. Zena's 13 and Mary is an adult married. Okay. For okay. Okay. I got now, you. Let's talk about who Rebecca was. In watching this first episode, they interviewed Mary, the sister, and they said that Rebecca was very type A. They were raised as Christians. They were in youth group, sang in choir. Rebecca was funny and charming. And she just happened to meet Jonah in Arizona, where at the time she was working at, at an ophthalmology clinic. She's Vermese, as, as her family is. Rebecca's father was a political prisoner. Once released, they moved then to Germany for 10 years. Rebecca went to Austria for school, came to the U.S., spoke six languages, Wow. Mm-hmm. was into fitness, but of course, as I know no one's going to be shocked to hear, the media focused on her looks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw her picture. She's mm-hmm. gorgeous. So her sister, Mary, did not trust Jonah, though. She didn't like their relationship. She didn't feel they were a good match, and he was taking advantage of her as a glorified nanny, and that's in quotes from the from the episode. Ah, okay. He has several children. He has uh, three kids, Max, the little six-year-old from Dina and two teens from his first marriage. And Rebecca was very close. Like I said, with Max, she called him Maxie. And so did his mom. Rebecca and him played together a lot and spent a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And Mary said that she got the call about Max's accident that same day from Rebecca. And though Rebecca was crying and pretty, she wasn't hysterical. And she was talking, she, so, so after they talked about the accident, they went on to talk about their father's upcoming birthday party. And Rebecca said she was going to get up at five o'clock the next morning to make Jonah's breakfast. So that kind of goes in for me to the nanny thing. Like, what is she? But again, we do that when we, for people we love. You know what I mean? We'll get up and help them out. But anyway, she wasn't working at this time, I guess. They were on vacation and she was helping with the kids. The next day, we're still talking about Mary here from her perspective. The next day, Mary was told by her husband that Rebecca had taken her own life. So they left from Missouri to go to San Diego. She feels like, and we'll get into the crime scene, of course, but the door message, the message that was written on the door from who knows, we'll say the killer. I think we can all agree with that. She feels that this door message that was taken as a suicide note from Rebecca was written to throw people off. And wasn't in Rebecca's handwriting. And it it was indeed in block letters. It wasn't in cursive. It was in block letters. And if you look up the, if you look up Rebecca Zahow suicide, you'll see a picture of the door or Rebecca Zahow door. You'll see it. It's block letters. It's black, black paint. Hmm. Rebecca, as we'll get into again, like I keep saying, she was found naked. And Mary feels that this makes her very angry because she feels that Rebecca would not have done that and allowed her family to see her this way. And she, of course, like I said, is fighting for her sister. So let's get into how Rebecca was found. She was found naked, bound, hands and feet behind, well, not her feet behind her back, but you know, her hands behind her back. There was a blue t-shirt in her mouth. There was the black paint on her nipples that ended up being the same paint that was used on the door. 
that uh, she was known to be an artist and she did paint. The saying that was painted on the wall, the door said, she saved him. Can you save her? And they took that as a suicide note. The media, of course, focused on not only how beautiful she was, but on the fact that, of course, billionaire boyfriend, 27 room mansion. Okay. Then, of course, the death of Max just a few days earlier, and she was watching him at the time. And she's found hanging from the balcony out their bedroom by a ski rope. So this is what it was in July. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, go for it. Ask me. So who was hanging? So Rebecca's body. So when Adam found her, yes, she was found naked, right? Hanging from a rope. Hanged. Oh, she was hanging. Okay. She was hanging. She I was hanged from a rope. And okay. with the same type of rope, the ski rope, she was bound with her hands behind her, intricately knotted, and her feet the same, gagged, and she had paint on her nipples. Okay. Are you going to get more into about Max's death and stuff yes. and his accident? Okay, yeah. so I'll wait and, and listen for yes. that then. I know, so, I'm building okay. it up. So the San- gotcha. So on September the 2nd of 2011, the San Diego Sheriff finally held a press conference after their, I'm going to do Air Bunny's investigation. The medical examiner says, despite the odd circumstances, we have to overlook those and focus on the facts and the evidence. So basically, hanging equals suicide suicide right of course so their further evidence that they presented was rebecca called her voicemail and found out that max most likely wasn't going to make it this is at 12 50 so jonah had placed a voicemail call to her she listened to it found out he was in grave condition and they said at that point that's when she made the decision to end her life removed her clothing or was already naked painted the message on the door, cut rope into sections, secured it to the bed, bound her feet, placed the rope and shirt around her neck, got her wrist bound, put her hands behind her back, jumped up, leaned over the balcony. So she'd have to hop at this point, depending on what location she was, she would have to hop to the balcony, lean over and fall to hang herself. Well, um, that's ambitious. So at this point, Billy and Lonnie interviewed Town and Country magazine author Sean Elder. And his he did an article on it, which we'll get into here next. And he says the ropes were nautical knots. The suicide determination started with the first call from Adam. Adam called and we'll hear that. I'm not going to play the call, but we'll hear more what he says. So, so he says, you know, I got a suicide here, man, to the 911 dispatcher. So then Jonah tells Dina that Rebecca killed herself for Asian honor. Then that starts that point. It was hmm. Asian honor. This is well known in their culture. And, re- and then the officers then repeated it. So they said it to, he said it to Dina. They've said it to the officers. And then, of course, they're thinking, oh, well, she was hanged. She was upset. It's, it's a suicide. But they also mentioned how ritualistic it looked. Well, and I'm sure that your brain lit up uh, like mine did when you said the ropes were nautical. Mm-hmm. And the uh, yep. Adam, the guy who found her, was a tugboat tug. captain? Yep. Okay, I'm just going to put that out there. I'm sure that you yep. had already cut onto that, but I know my ears perked up when you said that. So, so nautical so knots, that it's, um, and we'll get into probably suicide, here in though. a minute that Billy and Lonnie actually go to a uh, sadomasochist place yeah, and they, do. they have <laughs> they have two experts there and Shabari 
which is a type of, um, oh. yeah, which is oh, a type of okay. sadomasochistic, I guess, tying. Um, and gotcha. yeah, yeah. And we'll find out what they say, gotcha. having having no idea that, about this case. So, okay. Gotcha. All right. So the police said they also found links to Asian bondage sites and porn fetish fetishization of Asian women sites when they searched the computer. Okay. There was paint from the door found on her nipples and inside of her thigh. So we're thinking like sexual humiliation kind of thing. Billy Jensen, he says there's no for there's no foreign DNA on the rope. It's all just tied to Rebecca. The response is. Okay, so it's a common room. Why weren't there any? And this is what Sean Elder is saying. If there's no foreign DNA and it's this big mansion, there's a lot of, you know, it's five, six people living there. Why wouldn't there be? And Adam used the knife he found to cut her down and his prints were not found on it. Oh, right. So all these things are going on. So he says, yeah, I did this. I cut it. We got it on the tape. They've got, you know, it's recorded. He admits to it in the police interview several times. No DNA. None so of are, DNA. They, are we thinking at this point or are they thinking at this point that there was some kind of tampering with evidence or like um, where the um, there was a flaw when they were checking for the DNA and stuff on the rope that maybe the police made all holes or... actually um, finds what he feels is the answer here. Okay, well, I can wait if you're, but, but yeah, but I know there's like I said, there's a lot and it's very layered. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm just kind of laying it out the sure, way they sure. did. But sure. I get you, and I probably know the answers to that, but I don't want to give it out yet. No, that's totally fine. So the main issues here we have, of course, we have a naked woman bound, mm. gagged, and they say suicide. Rebecca was watching Max, and he fell, was in a coma. Now, when she died, he was still alive. He ended up dying a few days after that. Rebecca's family was requesting for the case to be reopened after this press conference because they believed it wasn't a suicide. I mean, how could she tie her hands herself? Her feet were bound. Yeah. She would have had to hop over the balcony, which I had mentioned. Also, at the crime scene, there was a towel with blood stains. Now, she was on her period. She was menstruating. The, do the door with the saying on it, of course, we've got that. The blood on the knife was all over the knife itself and the handle, but she didn't have any cuts on her body. What we'll find is that Mary's, um, the attorney that the Zahao family get, they feel that's a sign of sexual assault. We can get into why now, or we can talk about it later. Yeah, we can wait if you want to. Um, but basically, I didn't understand that either. They felt the knife was an implement used in her. So that was a, and that is a different knife than Adam used to cut her down? Right. Or the, okay. the knife was downstairs. Now he found her walking into the mansion from the guest house. There were two knives at the scene. And one was the one they feel that was used to assault her, was used to rape her. Now the police isn't sent. The police did not say this. This is coming out from, you know, further investigation from other parties. Okay. So suicide was the official outcome from the police. Right. And of course, what the Billy and Lonnie were starting to do is, okay, is it the old suicide murder or an accident? Well, we don't think it was an accident, but they still have to look in to see if it could possibly be suicide, if she could bind her hands that way. Yeah, because so, the only way I would think that you could bind your hands is if you knew that there was a way that you could, I guess, trust yourself or that it's loose. Mm -hmm. But then as you're hanging yourself, the tension tightens the binds on your wrist. But I would think that that would have to be more complicated than just your 
the I would think the rope would have to be connected to her wrists and her ankles and to I don't know. I right. don't know how you would work that tension, but there would have to be something where there's tension and I don't know enough about knots, but so I suppose it's possible, but I think that it would be very specific and a little more obvious, but but we'll move forward. I'm just throwing oh, that out. And, and that's, that's a great segue because this is when Billy and Lonnie go to see the bondage experts and find okay. out not only do they not think that she would that this was a practice called shibari, but Billy was able to bind his hands fairly easily. One of the women made an interesting statement where she referred to the ropes as the person having boating experience and that it looked like someone may have been cleaning a boat but used human limbs instead. Wrote that wow. word for word. And they didn't know exactly. Didn't know anything. Now, I, I'm, I'm assuming they didn't because they wanted to go fresh. You know what I mean? They just said, hey, this is the case. We have this woman found bound. Do you think you could do it? Here's some pictures of her hands and feet. What do you see? Do you see shibari? Do you see some bondage, fetish kind of thing? And they said, no, absolutely not. Some of those are really easy. And then some of those are real, but then they get real intricate. And again, she mentioned boating. Now, Paul Holes, our forensic dude, goes on to say the type of long hanging rope, the long hanging that she that would looks or appears to look like it would have occurred did not damage the hyoid bone. And that's mm -hmm. the bone in the back of the neck. Instead, the damage to the bone is more consistent with manual strangulation and someone trying to cover it up with a hanging. Gotcha. I know that's a lot, but here, but we've kind of, we, we've jumped in now. We're up to angles, yeah, right? Yeah. Now I want to talk a little bit about Max. So I looked into an article from heavy.com. And like I said, Rebecca and her sister, Zena, were watching him when he, and we're still not sure there's different theories, of course, on his, his own in death could be its own investigation again. Sure. Oh, I can so. imagine. He fell, it looks like from a staircase from the second or the second floor hallway, died five days later. Becca says she was in a bathroom. Zena was in a different bathroom. She had sent Max up to clean his room. You know, before we go to the beach today, you know, you got to do your chore. Yeah. So she says Zena was showering, so didn't hear anything, but she hears this loud crash. She finds Max at the bottom of the stairs. So she, of course, calls 911. His um, injuries from the fall is he was brain damaged. Mm. So seven weeks later, Sheriff Bill Gore, you're going to get to know his name a lot. Good old Sheriff Bill Gore ruled the accident, ruled the <laughs> ruled it an accident. I guess I, I buried the lead there or started off with the lead saying Max was running down the hallway at the top of the stairs. Now, what helped me to see this is to look at a picture of the Spreckles Mansion. If you put Max, um, so if you put in Max Shacknai and put Spreckles stairs or mansion stairs or whatever, you're going to see. It looks like you could just, I mean, it's heading toward kind of a revolving stairs, not too, you know, not too long, not too winding or anything, but you look right over. And there's, oh, yeah. there's a chandelier, right? So they're saying that he was in the hallway running and at the top of the stairs and he went over the railing. You see that railing falling oh. to the first floor. The investigator, he's, he's six, right? And yeah, I'm trying to gauge how tall this uh, railing is. If you is, look at the, but... and there's a picture from one of the investigators that Dina, his mom ended up hiring that actually have a picture, a little cartoon of a little cartoon Max with his, you know, four foot, whatever he was, like he's standing against the railing. And you can see that in correlation really puts some things in your mind too. 
Okay, well, I'll let you keep talking, but that's the first thing I thought of was like, yep. can he even fall over that? Because it's right. kind of high. But we'll just let you keep going, just throwing things out there. As I, I got you, and I'm, I'm with you. So he fell to the first floor. They say he either hit the chandelier because it was broken beside him, or he tried to grab it in an attempt to prevent oh. the fall, but was unable to determine why he fell. Uh, there was a, the dog, Ocean, which they lived on Ocean Drive. Their dog, Ocean, and a soccer ball were nearby. So they theorized he might have tripped over one of them. The glass chandelier, like I said, also fell to the floor beside him. Yeah, the only thing off the top of my head is I could see maybe a kid trying to like stand on top of the railing and grab at the chandelier to see if they could swing on it. If, I don't know, if he's rambunctious. Mm -hmm. But um. Yeah, so that's interesting. Okay, so Chandelier's on the floor next to him. Mm -hmm. And then there's a dog and a soccer ball around. Dog soccer ball. That's what, the, what we got. That's what she found. The autopsy showed that Max fell face first, fracturing his facial bones and had a major spinal cord injury that affected his breathing and heart rate. And that's why he died. But he wasn't breathing when Rebecca found him. And so she thought he was dead. My little note to myself at this point in my research, I said, note, Rebecca also went over the railing. So that was one thought, like, does that have significance? Do you know what I mean? Oh, you mean she went over the railing? When the balcony, when for the hanging. Balcony, right, yes. for the hanging. Okay. So that's one thing. Well, and the second right. thing I thought, could he have been trying to swing from it? Because if you look at the picture, yeah. I can totally see me looking like, oh, it looks like I could just run and, you know what I mean? Run and hit it or something. Yeah. So that was my second thought. Right. And okay, yeah, because I have a thought, but go ahead, because I'm sure you'll divulge it here later because you're connecting dots. Yep. As Dina asked for the case to be reopened because they said it was an accident. And she, so in 2012, she's like, um, reopen that shit. Let's get into it. And she said things just didn't add up to me. So she hired an independent expert to review the findings. Dr. Judy Melanick investigated the fall and concluded another twist, that the six-year-old's manner of death was inaccurate. She said it would be more accurate to certify the manner as a homicide, oh. where homicide is defined as death at the hands of another. No shit. She suggested that Shaq Nye, that Maxie, may have been assaulted at the top of the stairs before he fell. Hmm. Now, if that had been, if there had been enough evidence at this point from anything, you would have thought, you know, a lot of like bruising or anything like that, that you think that that would have been mentioned, but. Well, because they can usually tell, um, from my understanding, is they can usually tell this happened right before death. Mm -hmm. This happened at, during the death. Like this right. probably can, you can tell, like, I, I don't know, right. that like a bruise happened like right before they died. Or exactly. so you would think that like, if they were being, he was being assaulted, that they'd be able to tell, okay, unless they're not paying close enough attention because they're just assuming it's an accident. Because mm. we have seen that happen before, is where they just assume a oh, it's a little kid, so they mm -hmm. don't really put all those clues together. But that is, uh, so that's interesting. They think that Ma Max could have been assaulted. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the Coronado Police Department refused to reopen the investigation and said, this is according to the Phoenix New Times, was Max's death a homicide? The answer is no. It was a tragic accident. Jonah does his father doesn't doesn't really ever talk to the public and I mean again I can totally understand because that's horrific I can't even imagine and you know plus with him being high profile and it just all of it so I get that but what yeah. he did say is while the investigation is over the emptiness and sadness in our hearts will remain forever Max was an extraordinary loving happy talented and special little boy. He brought joy to everyone who knew him and we will miss him desperately. And I also found in my research that they have a Max Shack 
Shacknai Invitational Soccer Tournament hmm. sponsored by the Phoenix Rising Football Club Youth Soccer and just happens to be February 19th to the 21st of 2022. But apparently he is very, was very into soccer, natural athlete. He Aww. was, his first gift was, uh, I think his first word actually was ball, not mom, oh. not dad. <laughs> well, that explains that there was a soccer ball there. So, so that right. does, you know. All right, mm. so we're going to get into the town and country article. Like I said, Sean Elder was the one that they had interviewed. So I wanted to see how much information he had and if it was different from the other stuff that I found. And it yeah. was. So giving a little bit more information on ages, Jonah was 54, Rebecca was 32. A lot of the family wasn't happy with that. They didn't see what they would have in common. Initially, doctors told them- Wait, did you say 42? 54. He was 54 and she was what? 32. 32. Okay, I see that. I'm like 42. That's like nothing. Well, 32. I don't mm -hmm. know. Okay, well, go ahead. And I guess, you know, she was single, never been married. And, you know, she was this young model looking, you know, gifted person. But anyway. So but, um, so they're thinking that she's probably just a, um, what do they call it? Gold, a gold digger. digger. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, But that wasn't found to be true. But anyway. So initially, the doctors told the parents that Max may have had a heart attack, causing what? him to fall. They needed the parents to be tested for what's called a long QT syndrome, which would affect the effect, you know, the heartbeat. So who said this again? The doctors initially told Jonah and Dina that they huh. think he possibly had a heart attack. So we need to test you guys because he could have got it from you. And this causes okay. seizures in young children. Hmm. So he was then placed in a medically induced coma. Jonah had dropped off his two teens from previous marriage at the airport and uh, was working out when Rebecca called him to tell him about, you know, Max's accident. Jonah got home to find Max being prepared to be taken to the hospital. He was told in Rebecca's statement to police that she said she found Max on the floor with his razor scooter lying on his leg, like his thigh area. Oh. And Rebecca had stated that Max did say Ocean, the name of their dog. So keep that in mind. There are some things saying that she said he talked, but that she had to give him CPR. He had a spinal cord injury. So I'm bringing that up not because I'm saying she did anything. It's just one of the many things that can happen in any accident, but especially really unfortunate, odd ones like this, that people start picking things apart. Yeah. And it's not unusual to see as you do research that it, people say different things. And so that's, that's one of the difficult parts when you're doing research. It's like, well, mm -hmm. somebody claims that she said that. And this report that the EMT right. said this and things like that. So right. again, so when I bring this up, it's just the inconsistencies and on everyone's part, not pointing a finger at the victim. Rebecca she even, now mind you, she's not allowed the hospital because Jonah doesn't want her around Dina. So Rebecca is picking people up at the airport and still running around playing, you know, supportive wife or, you know, girlfriend. She's, she's still doing that. And she just went through this. So she picks up Dina's sister, Nina, from the airport, along with her Dina's son. And Nina is saying right from the beginning, she knew something was weird. She says, Nina says they only met a few times before, but Rebecca hugged Nina tightly and said, she put her head right in the crook of my neck and said, I'm so glad you're here. I personally don't find that odd. She's upset. She considers Nina family, but yeah, it's one of those things where in a way people act weird when weird stuff happens, mm -hmm. you know, is maybe you're feeling vulnerable. You're feeling so any kind of contact is going to be positive and whether you're, you know, you may just need that. And if Rebecca's but, open and Nina obviously isn't, this is the sister, this is the girlfriend of her sister. 
you know what I mean? The, uh, the new woman and her ex brother-in-law's right. life. So of course she's not going to be touchy feely, but right. I just say it was weird. Mm. I mean, she's I mean, obviously entitled to her opinion. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I can see how it goes both ways where in, on some levels, I can understand when you're in that vulnerable state that you may hug somebody that you haven't previously hugged because you want that assurance. But on the other hand, I do understand why if you've never hugged me before, why are you hugging? Like, you that know, common, I'm, like, the common it, thing yeah. of Max, you know what I mean? I, I guess I think right. I, I can see me doing the exact same thing that Rebecca's doing. People saying, whoa, she was, you know, because I'm like, you're your family. And that's how I would think of it. Yeah. And I guess that what uh, Nina is implying is that she was overacting. Is that maybe she caused Max's Go further. Again, you have great segues. Nina then started peppering Rebecca with questions about the accident when they were driving to the hospital. And she wasn't satisfied with the answer she was getting from Rebecca. So Nina states, and she looked at me as she was, this is as she's asking, asking her the questions. She looked at me and said, can you read directions and handed me her phone? Again, you can take that two different ways. If I'm Rebecca, I get distracted when I drive anyway. Mm -hmm. I- you know, I'm going to need your help, but especially I've got all these emotions. I got people coming at me left and right. Can you just, can we just focus on getting us to where we're trying to go? You know what I mean? So I, I kind of see Rebecca's point in this, but understandably, I think that Nina, I mean, you'd want what happened, what happened if you're not saying word from word, but again, she's driving. Right. So basically she, she's thinking she handed me the phone to shut me up and have me, have me give her the directions. Yep. That's what the Okay. Yep. So, so they get to the hospital and Nina tries to explain to Dina how weird, how odd she thinks that Rebecca's acting, but she's too distraught. Dina is obviously not really picking it up because mm -hmm. she's got her mind on other things. So Rebecca also picks up Adam, Jonah's brother, and Adam is 48, picks him up from the airport as well. And that, that next day, so after this happened, they had dinner with Jonah now, mind you, again, she's not she's not allowed at the at the hospital. She's running all around doing all this, and she's the one that found this kid who she loves and considers her own. Mm -hmm. So they're going to dinner. She didn't eat much, and she was really quiet. Adam says he felt sorry for her. They depart. Jonah goes back to the Ronald McDonald House, which, quick aside, this has nothing to do with anything but my personal feeling. Ronald McDonald House, I get. It's there to help the families. But when you're a friggin' billionaire... I mean, I, I guess I'm hoping that he that he paid it forward. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I mean, because it's free. To, but anyway, of course, it's there's no way like of knowing. But well, and it's also like right, usually right next to the hospital. Exactly. Possible right there. There's not a maybe there wasn't a hotel right there. And so he felt better to be right there, whether he had the money to be a couple right. blocks away in a nice hotel. And I get so that. I, see how I, maybe just, that's, I just feel yeah, like I really, I guess my, my greater clarity. hope is yeah. like I was saying that he would pay yeah. it forward and, and like right, build yeah. a new one or something. Right. So anyway, so he goes, so Jonah goes to the RMH, as we'll call it, Ronald McDonald House at the hospital. Rebecca and Adam, they go back to the mansion. And she says she's staying, of course, in the main house where she lives, the mansion part, and he's in the guest house. Now, before they parted, Adam told Rebecca, I know something about grief. Now, this is according to him, of course. We can't ask Rebecca. I know something about grief, having lost his mother. If there's something you want to talk about or whatever, I'm around. Then, according to his deposition... He wished her good night, called his girlfriend, took an ambient, and went to sleep around eight. Early the next morning, he decides to get some coffee in the main house. When he walks toward the mansion, he sees Rebecca's naked body hanging from a red rope from the second story balcony. 
The police later noted that her hands and feet were bound behind her. There was a gag in her mouth. At 6.48 a.m., he called 911. I got a girl hung herself, he said, his voice shaking. I got a girl hung herself. Same place you got the kid yesterday. And the ambulance had picked up Max had not come. It was two days before. He just, he got confused. I got a girl hung herself. The same place you got the kid. Hmm. Didn't say I know Rebecca, you were here for my nephew. This is, that's what he said. On the very impersonal. It gets worse. On the recording, he's a real tool. On the record, uh, the 911 call, he sounds frantic, of course, and he uh, can't come up with the address of the house. He can't think of it. He said in in his deposition that he had to run inside to look for a knife in the kitchen, then dragged a broken three legged table to where she was hanging. And so he could uh, somehow standing on it and cutting her body down. So he would be taller. He could cut her down. He removed the blue Massimo t-shirt stuffed in her mouth and tried to administer mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, despite the fact that rigor mortis had begun to set in. You can hear him panting and yelling on the recording, are you alive? Rebecca's autopsy would later reveal unexplained wounds on her head and scratches on her back. When the investigator spoke with Jonah about this Asian honor statement, he said, she comes from a true Asian background. They just look at things differently in terms of responsibility. Despite his seeming confidence that Rebecca killed herself, near the end of the interview, after the officers asked about security dogs, because they knew, you know, Ocean had been there, you know, whatever, Jonah said, do I need protection? Now, why would he ask for protection if he if they were believed- talking about it was a suicide? Yep. Crime scene. There were knives, paintbrushes, and the cryptic door message at the scene when the police were investigating it. Adam had DNA taken from him and given a polygraph, but a clear glass of but a glass of clear liquid in another room was not examined. They don't know if it was water, if some if Rebecca drank from it, if somebody else, they just left it. Adam's polygraph results were inconclusive. Now remember that. Inconclusive. Jonah was found on surveillance at the Ronald McDonald house, so he was ruled out. Days before he died, Dina says, one of the physicians at Rady, that's the hospital, Rady's Children's Hospital, told her and Jonah it's possible he could have been suffocated. So, so far, these poor people are like, he fell, he had a heart attack, he could have been suffocated. Hmm. And in the meantime, they're hanging on to hope, and then they find Rebecca. You know what I mean? Then this happens. Hmm. The door message, that the one that says that um, mm-hmm. she saved him, can you save her? Dina says, uh, let's see, the door message was considered a suicide note, like I said, but they could not analyze block printing to see if it was Rebecca's. Huh. Well, see, and, and I'm going to go ahead and say this, and you're probably going to analyze this later, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. So as soon as it was said, she, you, crap, say it again. It says, she saved him, can so, you save her? And they're so saying my that first was suicide. Is, is it's third person it's not first person so she saved him can you save her so it does say she saved him Mm -hmm. because at that point he was alive okay because to me that's someone else that uh, it's to me it's almost like taunting yeah like like I think it's like sarcastic Mm -hmm. like oh she saved him so can you save her and and so to me it sounds like they're like blaming her for Max's accident and then they're punishing her for it and saying you know, so to me, I think that's very obviously a message like they're blaming her for whatever happened to Max. And so she's paying paying for it. So to me, that's the first thing I yep. thought of not really knowing anything about anything. How is that a suicide so, note? Yeah. Why would you call yourself she? 
you know, why would you, that's, that's what's weird about it is, mm -hmm. and if you're committing suicide, you're blaming yourself. I wouldn't think that. Or apologizing to family. I'm sorry. Yeah, why would you know, you and she was obviously a very caring person. If she's running around doing all this, putting herself second, why would she put something so angry? Right. And, and again, why would she put it not as me? as I, I saved him. Can you save me? You know, it doesn't make sense. You, she would put yeah. it, I, I don't understand. And of course there's always that logic that when someone's really in a deep depression, that maybe they don't make the same connections that everyone else does because they're in that state. So it's possible that maybe she had some kind of reason that maybe to kill herself, she had to put herself outside herself. Mm -hmm. So I guess you could make that argument, but to me is if you are handwriting, was already, it wasn't her handwriting. Well, and the binding and mm -hmm. yeah, like that, that's when you have other things that really calls that into question. And they, uh, the police didn't analyze a pair of panties found in the guest house trash. Who was in the guest house? Adam. Uh-huh. Hmm. Um, now they said there was no evidence of a sexual assault and they maintained the sheriff's office. The investigation revealed this item was likely related to a girl's slumber party. Cause you know, I slumber party and buy disposable undies. Yeah, I just throw my underwear away when I've had a slumber party. So they're saying they're, there just happened to be a slumber party at the mansion in the days leading up to Rebecca's death. Now, did they come out and say, you know, one of his teenage daughters, she had something, was there any, there's nothing that comes out in that. Hmm. So they just, they just didn't wanna. Also, why didn't they process a drop of blood found in the shower by the master bedroom? Since the master bedroom was in another part of the mansion and there was no evidence at the scene of the event suggesting anyone else was bleeding other than Rebecca, this item was not tested. Hmm. And they're probably like, oh, she's on a period. Yeah. And again, it's that thing where they're like, well, she obviously hung herself, you know. She always decided. So, right. Mm -hmm. So they don't. And as we saw um, at CrimeCon with that case where, and I'm sorry, her name is slipping my mind, when she was found by her ex, her boyfriend mm -hmm. in the hotel room. Right. It, they, he was like, oh, I found she had hanged herself with the belt from the bathroom door. But then, and so when the cops showed up, they're like, oh, obviously this is what happened. So they didn't process right. things. Right. And, and, and it's exactly that is, and then by the time people were like, wait a second, this is a, a homicide, then they don't want to reopen it because mm -hmm. they've already made their minds and they don't want to look stupid. So I can definitely see, I mean, we all, everyone's human, but like in cases like this, where it's someone's life, just take a step back and just even if you think it's a suicide just look at everything why does it hurt to you know Be i mean thorough, do your job limited, yeah right there's limited you know you get all these problems where there's limited resources there's all these you know reasons but god it's just yeah when it's someone's life like look at everything yeah it's ugh. and where did she learn to tie those complex knots Simply stated, this is one of those questions which we will most likely never be answered with any certainty, was the sheriff's office mm -hmm. comment. So Rebecca's relatives were upset. They had been contacted. They weren't able to relay her state of mind to the officers. Mary, the sister, didn't know how Rebecca could have thought up such a complex plan within a few hours. So she gets the voicemail from Jonah, 1250 a.m. Coroner estimates the time of death at 3 a.m., and Max had been stable up to this point. So even if they said it's not looking good, why would she kill herself unless he was dead? The message, no. his message, Jonah's message to her about that was deleted and could not be retrieved. So we don't know what it says. He says, oh. he says, this is what it says. They can match that. Yes, I called her, you know, huh. at this time from his phone records, but they, no one listened to it. Well, that's interesting. Huh? That's interesting. 
because, oh, because so maybe the person, if someone deleted the message, it could be either she got the message and she deleted it because she heard the message. It could be that the killer was like, oh, in the message, he said, oh, he's going to be fine. You don't have to worry about anything. We have hope. And then the killer deleted it because he wants it to look like she committed suicide because of her guilt over Max's accident. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't know at what point it was, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of questions in that. Yeah. One of her other sisters, her name is Snowem, S-N-O-W-E-M for Mary. And her last name is Howrath, but Snowem, she lives in Germany and they were really close. I'd, I'd seen it mentioned somewhere else how close they were, but since Mary is the one that's here in the States and is, is in the forefront of the civil lawsuit and everything, she's the one that we know about the most. So anyway, Snowem said Rebecca had an allergy on her body. She wouldn't let anyone see her naked, but she did sleep naked. Due to this, Snowem feels like her killer caught her in her sleep. Hmm. So that's another thing. Why would you be naked? Plus, what Lonnie says a lot in there in the episodes is no woman is going to walk around naked when she's bleeding. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you at least put on a pair of underwear. Hmm. Okay. As to my chandelier theory, Nina, Max's aunt and Dina's sister says he wasn't a daredevil. A family friend further gives an example of this by saying Max wanted to hold her hand while he was jumping on a trampoline. Oh, hmm. But as a friend of mine said to me, maybe he liked that person and he just wanted to hold her hand. You know how kids are. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. Just so again, it could be taken either way, but that's, well, that's. Yeah. And I can kind of see that because you can tell like if a kid ha- is a type of personality who they'll, they'll do brave things, they're usually like that all the way around. You know, as you can tell, you can look at this kid like, okay, that's the kid that's going to try to um, jump off the slide instead of slide down the slide. Mm -hmm. And you have the kid like this one is going to go down the slide and is probably going to hold the sides. So I think that it's, I mean, I don't have kids. I haven't been around a lot of them, but my understanding would be that most likely if you have a kid that's usually pretty safe, that they wouldn't just one day decide I'm going to jump on the chandelier and see if I can swing. Exactly. It's always possible. But I, so I would think if he was kind of had that, that precocious nature mm-hmm. that people would say, well, that figures that that makes sense that he'd do that because he was, you know, inclined to that. Of course, both families disagree with the sheriff's findings because they both, they said on both cases, it's an accident. So Nina, the sister hired a company to research and recreate Max's accident. I had mentioned this a little earlier, that picture mm-hmm. of, you know, the cartoon of Max in front of the banister to give you some um, indications of dimension. She does, doesn't think that he could have gone over the railing on his scooter. So there's a lot of scooter talk since it was the way it was found laying on his thigh on his leg. Like he had to be on it, right? He had to be near it. They concluded during this investigation that the scooter could not have gotten up enough speed and gone over the railing to land on his leg. Max also didn't have any cuts on his hands to support the theory of investigators that he hung onto the chandelier, tried to high five it. Dr. Melanick feels it makes more sense that Max was assaulted by someone near the banister and further doesn't see how it's possible he could have spoken the dog's name. Like when I told you, he's, uh, Rebecca said to the, mm. um, yeah, the, he said ocean, kind of like telling her this is right. what happened because of the location of the spinal cord injury. Oh. So this is what the, the investigator on Max, when they got that second opinion, that's what she said. She feels that he was assaulted. Now the Sahal family also found assistance from a Seattle attorney offering her services pro bono. The, for, the private forensic co- consultant said the death looked like a ritualistic killing. And our friend Cyril Wecht, 
who we all know, but especially from such uh, crime keeper cases as the mysterious death of Dr. Shu. He also was consulted in that by Dr. Shu's wife. Mm. He says that the tape residue on Rebecca's legs didn't make sense. Are we to think she bound her legs with duct tape, but took it off to use rope instead? And Mm. I hadn't heard that before. January 2012 the attorney sent an 18-page letter to the California Department of Justice asking for Rebecca's case to be reopened. Jonah also sent one himself requesting this. Both were rejected, so he requested it as well. They both wrote, nope, not doing it. Hmm. Six months later, Dina asked the same of Max's case. July 2013, the Sahau family sued for 10 million wrongful death, naming Adam Dina and Nina as co-conspirators, saying Dina was the ringleader. This was based on an eyewitness saying that they saw a dark-haired woman on the porch the night of Rebecca's death, but also the same witness went on to say it was long hair and the woman was over 200 pounds when Dina was short and was under 140. Well, and wasn't there a, what, okay, so Dina lived nearby, but didn't she have picked yes. Nina up from the na- airport? So Rebecca had picked up Nina because Dina was at the hospital. Right. So, but if she had to pick her up at the airport, that implies Nina lives farther away. Unless and, they're saying that she was just right. like an accomplice, like she just helped them plan it, but she necessarily. Right. They're there. saying that, um, and we'll get into a little okay. bit more about that role gotcha. in, about Nina. But okay. so okay. Zahau's attorney then dismissed the case against the sisters after surveillance was found with Dina at the hospital with Max at the time of the death. Okay. So they, they ruled that out. And he went on the air and he had the press conference um, as a how attorney and he apologized to Dina and Nina. He felt really bad, but, you know, he was trying to get it move forward. This only leaves Adam, the guest house person that saw her the night before and found her body. Nobody talks about Max, says Nina Romano, but if he hadn't died, maybe Rebecca would be alive. So that's why I'm saying these two are inextricably linked. You know what I mean? You can't talk about one without the other because of their relationship. And especially they're saying because of what happened to Max, this happened to Rebecca did this act. Because whether that's a suicide note or not, it still references Mm -hmm. him. Dina actually tried to join the the, the Zahows in a lawsuit, but of course they declined. She no longer thinks Rebecca had had hurt Max and that there may have been someone else there. Hmm. The police never investigated a claim from a neighbor two doors down who claimed to have heard a woman crying asking for help at 1130 the night that Rebecca died. Dina also found out there was a criminal defense attorney at the mansion the day of Rebecca's death but was not hired by Jonah. The fact police ask her if she knew anyone, they're asking Dina this, do you know anyone that would want to harm Rebecca or Max? Why would they ask that? Hmm. She doesn't believe Rebecca took her own life or that Adam murdered her. She points to what her attorney called rage and planning with the act and no evidence that Adam knew Rebecca enough to despise her that much. Nina wonders, does Adam know more than he's saying? I just don't know. And then we don't have um, any... Like he, no one can verify his alibi. So because he, he was, was alone just in the guest, the guest house. house, right? Was he was Rebecca one place, right? Nobody says they saw him. He says he was in bed at eight. That seems to check out. So gotcha. it goes on. Now Greer is the last name of the Zahau attorney. Has another consideration. After Rebecca was found hanging, he reminded his company put two hired bodyguards on him. He said it was for the media. 
who needs guns for the media? Was somebody sending a message to him? So this is Dina saying that she talked to the Zahao attorney, you know, and why would they, why would he need protection? Yeah, because if they're, if everybody's talking about how this is probably suicide, why would he need security guards mm -hmm. for the media? Because if the media is like, oh, well, she killed herself, then why would he want that for the media? Unless he's just say, went trying to play every angle and just say, well, you know, we're sure it's a, it's a suicide, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's interesting. And we'll get into that even okay. more, but Jonah has not spoken since, except for a few things, you know, talking about Maxie, understandably, and he has remarried. Now, another thing that they end this episode on was Rebecca leaving Jonah. This is what Mary alleges in her deposition. She felt like she wasn't getting the appreciation she deserved for all the hard work she did or respect from his other kids. She felt he didn't uh, back her the way he should have. So oh, Mary so puts Mary, that out. Okay. Hmm. But there's not a lot about how they weren't getting along. I'm not saying there wasn't that tension in there because right. it seems like that would make sense. But the so so you said that there was a criminal defense attorney at the place at their house the day that Rebecca died. Yes, and we'll get so, into that more too. But they never they never investigated that. So they they said they know there was a there was an attorney there. He says, "Oh, I'm here, but I'm not here. I wasn't hired by Jonah." Well, who the hell else does that leave that? Well, that's what I was wondering is if it's specifically criminal defense, but as soon as I thought attorney, if she does want to get a divorce, then that would explain it to an attorney. Well, they're not married. They're, no, they're, they're not. not they, yeah, they're girl, girl, they're girlfriend okay. boyfriend. They're that's living right. in. They're, the, that's right. I forgot. They're not. They're not in the okay. heavenly so then, mansionly sprawling sin. Gotcha. That's um, right. But and there goes that. Okay. Right. But so I was thinking. Well, why would she hire an attorney? Or maybe did he have one on retainer, and he just happened to want to offer it to Rebecca? But but if he didn't think she did anything, and he's um, going to be adamant saying that she saved him, you know, by giving him CPR. That's right, because the max thing had happened. So there could have been a criminal, you know, and, and maybe it's even a thing where someone just shows up, you know, like, a, what do they call them? Ambulance chasers? Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's an attorney that took it upon himself. Like they see this billionaire and like, he's probably got legal defense, but maybe I'll go in there and see what I can, you know, maybe if there's something that I can do. And maybe if there does become some tension, she may decide to lawyer up against Jonah in case he does blame her. So it could be something like that. Or what Dina is saying, maybe they were sent there to represent that other party that no one knew about, that other oh, person. Gotcha. So oh. that's what she's alluding to gotcha. she, by, by talking about security and dogs and all that. Dina is saying, and you know, maybe, maybe he was assaulted by somebody else on the stairs and it, Rebecca couldn't help him because she wasn't there. Ah, uh, and then, and Jonah knows, has some idea about this. Jonah has not said anything. And well, well, we, we, okay, so we're not sure. But if he's getting security, then he obviously thinks something's amiss. Right. Gotcha. Now, um, I watched, I didn't, I'm not going to go into the whole Dateline, but Dateline did a special on this called The Mansion on Ocean Boulevard. And the only thing that I really took out of that that wasn't, that I didn't note or really uh, document from the other um, items was, Adam said he saw Rebecca hanging and thought she was dead, but tried to do something anyway. So, of course, he cut her down, started CPR. Also, he claims to not have heard the scream that the neighbor had reported. We'll go in to see that he's saying how fitful his sleep was at night. You know, he took an Ambien, but he was really fitful. He was didn't sleep great. He woke up early. Now, depending on where the scream was, I mean, maybe he didn't hear it. 
but yeah, because we do because we're not sure how close the guest house is from the mansion or right. I mean, you can see that it's all, it looks like a little compound, you know, mm. but it doesn't say whether it's 500 feet or a thousand feet or, but even so you would think you would still hear. That is really interesting though, that he says he took an Ambien, but that he wasn't sleeping well. So mm -hmm. that's interesting because you would think that if he had killed her, that he would be like, oh, I was sleeping like the dead. No, I'm sorry though. That was a, mm -hmm. uh, so I, know, like, I was sleeping I was so out. hard, like that he would right. use that as an excuse, like, oh, I took an Ambien, so I was out. So it's interesting that he would say, well, I was sleeping, you know, I wasn't really sleeping well, so I should have heard that unless it's just another, yeah. The, so that is kind of a weird thing that he didn't re rely on that a little he more heavily. Yeah, it's very interesting. So that takes us to episode two, and it's this is titled Two Deaths, One Mansion. And I subtitled this Asian Shame because it goes into that, which is very interesting. They It ends up that there was a therapist riding along with the police officer responding to Max's accident call, okay, which I think is great. She writes a report evaluating Rebecca's state of mind right after it occurred, and she was with her for an hour and a half. So she puts here, she's upset, tearful, anxious. Her body and hands were trembling. There was no indication of being depressed or feeling guilty or regretful. And this is this trained person who's with her for a while, right after it happened. She was making calls to friends, Rebecca was, and family and arranging the picking up of Dina's sister at the airport. Rebecca is comforting and organizing everything. So going back to the, the episode, Lonnie and Bill, Billy had noticed how she kept texting with Jonah and Mary and said that she was going to be strong for them and for Maxie. So again, she's being the stalwart here. She's being, you know what I mean? She's, yeah. I'm sure she feels bad, but she's kind of pushing that aside. She's on go, 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 giver mode. Right, right. Billy launches into his social media campaign and because that's what he's known for. He's actually solved a murder based just on social media and putting surveillance information out. So he sets it up in the Coronado area to try to stir up information. And he ends up locating two women who said they heard that woman screaming that night, 1130. Now, one of the women, two houses over. Now she heard it. Why wouldn't Adam have? Oh. Also, why wasn't her statement investigated? Hmm. Wasn't investigated. They decide at this point to revisit that cult, the cultural implications of the Asian honor or the Asian guilt and visited with an author, Sam Louie. They discuss, he's a, he's a uh, professional in family honor, self-honor, cultural shame. And he says that that could have been triggered from Max's injuries. I've, I've dishonored myself, my, you know, but... It's negated by the fact she was naked because that would bring further dishonor on herself and her family. So whereas up to a point, he says, I think maybe she could do it. He says the naked thing gets everybody because it's like, why would she do that? Not only culturally, but, you know, most people don't kill themselves naked. They decide, Billy, Paul, and Lonnie decide to recreate the bedroom crime scene, okay, down to a T. Hmm. And... So they had this, they recreated a faux one and they had the pictures of the actual crime scene to help them. And they placed every little thing, every drop of blood, a towel, the knives, wow. everything, right? That was noted in the autopsy. And then they could quickly see what was missing. Mm -hmm. And she was, so we said she was on her period. And if she was hopping to the balcony to go over it, why is there not more blood in that area? I hate to be this 
graphic, but is it possible she was wearing a tampon? Did they note that anywhere? They didn't find anything like that. That's why they, okay. um, that's why they feel she was, um, I guess, open to the assault because there was nothing gotcha. blocking that area. Okay. Cause they um, did mention that a knife possibly could have been. And yeah. Okay. And they did. I just really, wanted to confirm. And you know, I get, I get where your head is. They didn't say anything about that, but I mean, if they aren't testing a glass, do you really think they're going to anyway? Right. Anyway, uh, again, I don't, it is what it is. I mean, it is graphic, and, but it is yeah, part and, of and, life. Right. And, and, and frankly, sometimes it's stronger than other times. So right. time, sometimes maybe if she's almost off it or just started, it could be that she could hop around freely without mm -hmm. there being drops of the stuff, you know? Right. And so it, that is possible, but I mean, at least they're trying to think things through, I guess. Right. They brought in an outside um, crime scene expert, Dr. Laura Petler. She approaches a situation. It's victim-centered. What at the scene belongs to Rebecca? Okay, so she's looking at it from that kind of lens. There were two knives that belonged in the house. The rope, the ski rope, was kept in the garage. There was a wicker chair in her room. Obviously, in her room, it's hers. And there were the two bank paint brush brushes in the paint she was an artist like I said she did paint she didn't paint anything surrealist or anything along those lines she painted birds and flowers uh, they also showed flashed pictures of her art alongside that door and in in everything and it's like it just doesn't seem like the same person this is when uh, Dr. Petler reviews a saying on the door she says it's just gripping, it's black, it's dark, it's blocky, it's abrasive, it's coarse. Mm. Who does this describe? Again, coming at that victim centering, she's mm. like, does this sound like Rebecca? So like I said, they showed it alongside some of Rebecca's art and it's very different along with no one saying it was her writing. Mm -hmm. Dr. Petler says she, she became undetermined. She couldn't decide if it was staged or not since there were so many things of Rebecca's there and that were also legitimately in the home. Although she said it could be a crime of opportunity, opportunistic. They discussed the case with criminal psychologist in regards to Rebecca's state of mind. This other person, his name's Dr. Eric Hickey. He said he found her to be very disciplined, kind, had a good life, no mental illness, and he feels the door was too cryptic and not reflective of her. Again, she would have been like, I'm sorry, I, you know, mm. given all everything that she's doing and how she's feeling, why would she write that? So he feels that she wouldn't take her own life, but would be someone that knew her and was an impulse crime. Mm. So he's kind of agreeing with Dr. Petler in that, you know, she said it was dark and coarse and, you know, it, does, it doesn't mesh with Rebecca. Mm -hmm. Now we're on to episode three. Did you want to talk anything through before we go on? Or are we good? It's a good point here too. So we're like about halfway through, we'll say. And what we're, the place that we're at is, so we've got Max's death. And the questions there are, was he assaulted? And did someone push him? Mm -hmm. So was he murdered? If so, was that Rebecca? Or was it somebody else that we don't know of that could have been in the house? And I'm assuming that Xena is, they know that she was definitely in the shower and that she... Right. She got she, dropped back off at, um, at the airport like the next day or something. She's so never, never been looked at more. No, they she's okay. completely, yeah, she was completely exonerated, not really investigated. Okay. 
So at this point, we're not sure if Max was killed either by Rebecca or someone else, or if it was truly an accident. We are not sure whether Rebecca killed herself or whether it was a homicide. And now we're hearing that there could have been, they, um, it's possible there maybe was another person that was involved. That's why Jonah is guarding up. And that's why, you know, even though they're saying it's a suicide, Jonah may know something different or he may be afraid that something different is happening. So we have implications of a third party that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And And that's coming from Dina mostly, but both the uh, Shacknows and the Zahows, they both agree the sheriff office is wrong. Sheriff office is staunchly saying we're not reopening anything. And Mm -hmm. so they all have to kind of go outside and try to move it forward somehow to to get it reexamined. Now, my first thought is obviously is still kind of Adam Mm -hmm. because we can't prove anything about him and the nautical knots and he's a tugboat captain. And I could see that we don't know how close he was to Max, but maybe there we don't know if there's a history there or it could just be that bitch almost killed my nephew. Mm -hmm. You know, like he he was on her watch, whether she pushed him herself, she still was there when it happened. So she's still to blame. And maybe it was a spur of the moment thing where he realized, oh, you know what? I'm home alone with her. And he's been building up this anger that his six-year-old nephew may be dying, you know? So it could be he found the opportunity and he did that and killed her. So I can see that. And especially when you, if the two women did hear a scream, that is interesting that he didn't hear a scream and they heard it two houses over. I'm assuming that mansions are on pretty big fucking grounds. And his polygraph was inconclusive. Inconclusive. Now, how many times have you heard in other cases where they will use that? And that's basically like you failed. They'll approach you, say you failed. Mm -hmm. Why didn't they lean on him harder? Yeah. So I definitely still have questions moving forward about Adam. I mean, I guess there could be some unknown third party. But it seems like since they specifically said she saved him, can you save her? It definitely is, feels like it's about Max and Rebecca. Right. So I wouldn't think that there would be, who would be that third party that we don't know about that would use that opportunity to kill her and to avenge Max's death, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, and we know that Jonah, we know for sure that Jonah didn't do it. So, cause that would make sense. And I but mean- But do we know, do we know if he wasn't involved or not? Well, I guess we don't know that is maybe so, if he, there could be a part of him blaming her. Do we know? And could, we could prove that Deanna wasn't there. Is, did you say that? Dina was at the hospital with Dina. Jonah and Max. Okay, so we know so that it could they be. Have, they have them on surveillance. They know that they're there. But it is possible even that Jonah and Dina convinced Adam to do it. So we don't know. Those are all very interesting questions that I think that I know I'm going to try to keep in mind as we move forward. And I am also really intrigued because I looked up that picture of Max where they recreated um, the banister. The banister. He, how small, how short he was, how he and couldn't get over it. Like his head was barely over it. It's, uh, yeah. So, well, and then the whole thing about the scooter, because I don't know, in the image that I'm looking at, it's like one of those artist dolls that they that um they have the joints that move that mm-hmm. they're like the wooden doll. It's like that. Right. And uh they don't show him with a scooter, mm-hmm. but they show him like it looks like they show him like running down the hall, like falling over the banister and then the way that he falls. But I don't know how this yeah, I don't know how the scooter would flip up over the rail. You know what I mean? Like if he hit it would the scooter flip up over the rail and then fall on him? And I wonder if the scooter was down at the bottom and it just happened the way he landed, it Maybe. landed on his thought. So be. it could be my something other, like that. 
my other thought is if someone pushed him, that maybe they put the scooter on him to make it look like, oh, he was messing around with the scooter on, near, mm-hmm. on the right. stairs. Right. And then you've got the soccer ball. So you've got some different scenarios that they could say, well, they can guess that obviously he was playing and things went awry. That's something I am trying to keep in mind too is, but then again, then we have to figure out the motive of who would have hurt him, who would have assaulted right. him, who Why? wanted him dead. Yeah. So that's another big thing is if Max was killed, who did it? And they're saying so far, their therapist is saying she didn't seem like she was felt guilty. She doesn't really show, from what I've heard of interactions, it doesn't seem like she shows sociopathic or psychopathic behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I mean, Very I guess giving. you never know. I mean, um, she's nurtured. She's playing mother to, you know, children that don't even like her. You know what I mean? She's right. trying to be that mother figure. And we don't know that there was anyone else in the house. I mean, for it to be an accident, I don't know, is, I suppose it's possible that he could have climbed up and fallen over, but I mean, I don't know. That's, that is a, the way that he died and is really curious, but then that takes you to who had the motive to kill him and Mm -hmm. who, who was there. And we don't know of anyone else that was there. We're going to get in. To a little bit more, of course. So, okay, gotcha. um, Yes. That's a great recap. Thank you for doing that. I I like that. Yeah. So, we have that that we're going to be looking forward to in the next half. All right, lab rats. It's that time. Queen V is calling me back to the lab with the smells of salty fish head goodness. Get in there. (laughs) So, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being crime keeper fanatics, hopefully. And remember, Everyone has their truth, and mine is Abby Normal. If you enjoy the experience and experiments of Murder Lab, go to Facebook, Instagram, and MurderLabMedia.com for updates. Share with your friends, those you created in a lab or not, as long as they can subscribe and listen, we'll take it. Murder Lab is available on Google Play and iTunes. The RSS feed is on MurderLabMedia.com for you to plug into your podcast app. We can always use more lab rats. I got a girl hung herself, he said, his voice shaking. I got a girl hung herself. Same place you got the kid yesterday.